0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Some of you have charged enough. You won't be out of debt till next November. Then you start all over again. Isn't this cycle of life a wonderful thing? What a joy to see you. I want to introduce two sweet people. Chris, Marissa, would you all stand right here? I married these kids about how many weeks ago? Two weeks ago, they went on a two-week honeymoon. They said, we'll see you at church. Here they are. Give them a great hand. I love you guys. I love you. Class acts. She's an RN, and uh, I told her I want to keep her and him close around me so if I fall out, she can help me get up. It's a joy to see all of you today, it really, really is. What an honor to bring the gospel to you on this 22nd day of December. I bring greetings from my sweetheart, Patty is doing fine, she did have surgery on Thursday morning, I took her home from the hospital Friday evening and she's fine, I called her a while ago, she's up walking around and I scolded her, I told her to sit down, she said I'm going to walk, I said okay, do what you want to do because you've always done that. But what a joy to have my wife uh, doing all right after a surgery. God bless all of you. It's an honor to be here with you today, and I wanna I wanna go on record. I wanna go on record and say that the birthday thing that y'all did for me a week and a half or so ago, absolutely was one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. Uh, I never really had a lot of birth- don't go to feeling sorry for me, but I never had a lot of birthdays because I was born too close to Jesus. And so I was daddy's great tax deduction. That's what he called me. And uh, and so the bottom line was that uh, this was just very special. The 11th day of December will always be a, uh, a wonderful date in my mind because you honored me on my 50th birthday. What a joy. Just a tremendous joy. Tremendous joy. Tremendous joy. We're glad, we're glad to have the Sanchez family with us today, uh, Ricardo and... His sweet wife, Jeanette, are here and all their boys and some buddies and friends. and We love these people. They love us. They said they needed a Pastor Rex fix today, so uh, I hope the rest of you do too because I'm who you got today, all right? Stand to your feet all over the house. I want to read a little scripture, but I want to tell you a little something cute before I get started. A little boy, about six, seven years old, uh, looked up to the heavens about Christmas time and he said, Lord, I've been good all year. I need a Christmas present and he didn't hear any voice because the preacher told him that the Lord would answer him and he didn't hear a voice and so he said all right Lord I'll come down a little bit I've been good the last six months I need a Christmas gift and there still wasn't a voice he said Lord I've been, I've been good all the month of December I need a gift and the Lord still didn't answer he said Lord I've been good today and so there wasn't any answer, and he got a little aggravated. So he saw a nativity scene over there, went, went over there and picked up Mary, hit her behind his back, said, Lord, if you ever want to see your mother again, I need a gift. <laughs> That's the way some of us are. I got Mary. What a joy, what a joy. I, 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 uh, I love this time of the year. I love it because it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I love the fact that we celebrate it at the end of a year simply because It gives us the most hope. There's always a baby changes everything in our life. And there's always such tremendous hope that is birthed every year at this time. And we start the new year saying it's going to be my greatest year ever. And we're going to diet and we're going to go to the gym. And by the third week, we're not going to diet. We're not going to go to the gym. We're going to go by Starbucks three times a day and get that good fat coffee. And we're going to just change everything. But I love the fact that we can get inspired and motivated Because nothing can motivate you like Jesus Christ. Nothing can motivate you like Jesus Christ. I read a text today from Genesis chapter 49 that says simply this. In the New Century Version, kings will come from Judah's family. Someone from Judah will always be on the throne. Judah will rule until Shiloh comes. And the nations will obey him. So Shiloh must be a him. Judah will rule until Shiloh comes and the nations will obey him. My subject today is simply this, Noel Shiloh has come. Everybody say, Shiloh has come. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to find out who he is. I love you. You may be seated. You're the best. You're the best. All of our guests today, we're happy to have you. Jeff Cannon's mom's in the house. She's one of my favorite peeps of all times. And I'll tell you her story one of these days when she's not here. She's a dandy. A gypsy in England stopped a preacher one day, not knowing his occupation. She said she could tell his future for $500. And the minister said, you mean you can tell me what I'll be doing a year from now if I give you $500? And the fortune-telling gypsy said, I can tell you exactly what you'll be doing this time next year. The preacher then asked, well, can you tell me what I'll be doing this time tomorrow if I give you $500? The gypsy said, absolutely. I can tell you what you'll be doing tomorrow. And the pastor then said, if you'll tell me what I was doing this time yesterday, I'll give you $1,000. That ended the conversation. She walked away. Ironically, the time of the year called, y'all can laugh if you want to. I don't want a sad crowd here today. <laughs> Ironically, this time of the year is called Christmas. It's a time both of celebration and separation. Because at no other time of the year is the Christian more separated from the world than at Christmas time. See, the world celebrates a season, and a Christian celebrates a Savior. Do you celebrate a Savior today? Whether the world likes it or not, and increasingly the world doesn't like it, Christmas is a celebration of the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. When you say Merry Christmas, you're saying have a merry Jesus is born day. That's what you're saying. And so now there are some people who will be so drunk on Christmas day, they'll not know whose birthday it is. And there are some who will be so devious, they'll forget whose birthday it is. And there are some people who are so depressed, they don't care whose birthday it is. It's not theirs. But for the most part, the world will be throwing a big party, but they'll forget to invite the guest of honor. I hope he's invited into your house. Much of this world reminds me of a story of two women that were enjoying an expensive lunch at a downtown restaurant. And it was obvious that they were celebrating some festive occasion in their lives. And when the waitress asked the occasion for lunch, one woman said, we're celebrating my baby's birthday. But the waitress, seeing no child, said, well, where's the baby? And the mother of the child said, well, do you think I would bring the baby? You wouldn't think I'd bring the baby, do you? Why let him ruin the whole party? <laughs> Many people have already thrown office parties and will throw office parties this Christmas, but they won't invite Jesus because they're afraid he'd ruin the party. How would you feel if someone threw a birthday for you and at the party, everybody got a gift except you? How would you feel about that? Or how would you feel if somebody threw a party for you, but you weren't even mentioned? In fact, you weren't even invited to that party. We've managed to make Christmas a $40 billion industry. There is so much about Christmas, though, that we don't understand. Because many words have lost their original meaning or sense to us in this postmodern era. Words like magi, the wise men, or words like... Swaddling clothes. What in the world is swaddling clothes? Glad you ask. I'll answer that later. Or like nativity. Or the word Noel. It's lost its function. It's lost its meaning. The word is found in the beloved Christmas hymn, the first Noel. And if I was really brave, I would ask Ricardo right now to stand up and sing it, but I'm not going to be that brave. It's a chorus we sing Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. Anybody heard that song? Sung it. why does this fourfold chanting of the word Noel what does it mean first of all it's an old English word and as with other old English words it's an abbreviated form of a longer phrase are you ready Noel simply means now all is well say it with me now all is well Jesus came to our world say it now all is well angels heralded fearful shepherds say now all is well Wise men came from the east, and when they saw Jesus, they said, Now all is well. The aged Simeon and Anna at the temple side, as they gazed at a baby boy. Noel, the Messiah, has come. Now all is well. Hear the cry of the oppressed. Noel, the Prince of Peace, has come. Hear the weak and the sick and the disabled cry. Noel, the great physician, has come. Proverbial wisdom says all is well that ends well. But at Christmas, all is well that begins well. I think it's amazing that this Christmas we can start something brand new in our life and all's well that begins well. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. So I point you to a manger. I point you to a cross. I point you to a tomb. I point you to an upper room. Jesus is born. He's born in a manger that I might live in a mansion. He was wrapped in rags that we might be wrapped in clean linen. As a writer in Hebrew said, he endured the contradictions. The great God of heaven was born in an animal shelter, born as a lamb of God. He's died as a lamb of God. His name is Jesus, and he came to save his people from their sin. I'm reminded of a story I read about a scientist one time that was working with his microscope, and he was studying cancer, and he looked through the microscope and saw the cancer Virus as it was working against the antidote of what they had put in there to try to stop the virus and they had done this many times and he saw that the antidote was not working. The virus was taking the antidote out as cancer will do many times to people and the, and the, and the, the scientist was heard to say, I wish there was something I could do about you, cancer. I wish I could pull off this lab jacket and shrink down to your size and come on that slide and just beat the tar out of you. He used words like that. But he said, I can't. I can't do that. But I know one that did. I know a Savior that did he looked down on this world and he saw a lot of people getting beat up by sin. He saw a lot of people getting beat up by sickness and hardship and life. And he said, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna take off my regal robes up here and I'm gonna go to where they are and become what they are and become a babe and I'm gonna fight for them for 33 and a half years. I'm gonna die for them. I'm gonna be buried for them. I'm gonna rise again and I'm gonna come back and receive them to myself. Can you clap your hands for that? In fact, In fact, I do this a lot at funerals, and I think it'd be nice to do it over a living God today. When a person has done well in their life, many times I will ask for a standing ovation for the person who has died and left a love, a legacy, and a life that we can celebrate. But the Savior we're preaching about today is not dead. Muhammad is, and Buddha is, but our Savior's alive today. And I think it'd be very apropos. I think it'd be very nice if this whole audience just stood right now before I finished and gave Jesus a standing ovation all over this house. Come on, come on, clap your hands. That's all right. Whistle, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Woo. That feel good? You may be seated. So today i point you to the oldest name of the Messiah used in Scripture some 1,700 years before Jesus was born. Genesis 49 and 10, I read it as a text from another version. Let me read the King James. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. See, the book of Genesis that we read this from is a book of generations. From Adam to Joseph, it's generations. We read of the early families of civilization. It's also a book of degeneration because humanity falls from perfection to sin in the garden. Then that sin is passed from generation to generation, which brings a degeneration. But finally, the book is one of regeneration. God shows possibilities of freedom from sin throughout the book. Jacob, the patriarch, paints hope in the lives of his children. He has come to the end of his road in Genesis 49. What a road he's traveled from a conniving boy to a ruthless middle-aged man to a crippled elder. Life ends, finds him in a faraway place, a strange land called Egypt, reunited with his favorite son, Joseph, who was his son of his old age. But just before his death, he paints possibilities in the lives of his son. Can I preach a little bit right now? Any parent worth his or her salt knows that children's ears must be turned into children's eyes. For the first 18, 20 years of our daughters' lives, we told our girls every day, you can and you will, by the grace of God, make something in life. God is going to bless you. God's going to help you every Sunday. We still do it with our grandkids now. On Sunday night, Patty will probably have them over tonight and not have anything to eat for them because she's not able to cook. But we'll have the kids over and we'll bless our grandkids tonight because everybody needs to hear that God is for them. Everybody needs to know that God is with them. And everybody of our children's lives, the greatest gift you can give to your child is to put hands on their shoulders or on their heads and say, God is for you, and He is with you, and you've got what it takes to make it in life. There's not a day goes by that I don't quote the two words, I am. I am somebody. I believe that God has made me somebody. I am that person. And I don't go the whole day without saying, I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he has favor in my life. And I believe that I say I can make this world a different place to live because God has made me an I am and a believer and I can. And then I go to I will. I say I will do everything I've ever proposed to God. I will make my life make a difference in life. And I've put that in my children's heart. You need to put that in your kids' heart and let them know this Christmas we're going to turn our life around and we're going to celebrate Jesus like never before because he is the true reason of why we're gathered here together today. I got out of my Baptist mode there. I got into Pentecost mode there. Forgive me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Parents are the purveyors of possibilities to your kids. If you think they can, they believe you. Jacob blessed his boys from the eldest to the youngest, a dozen in all. Reuben, Simeon and Levi were the first trio of the four trios. Then came Judah. Judah was the fourth born, and he heard words that set his tribe apart for future royalty. Judah's line would triumph in the 12 tribes. His tribe would become heir to the everlasting throne of David. Genesis 49, Jacob said this, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Wow. Our father's sons will bow down to you. You're a lion's cub. Judah, you return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and he lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? Jacob then spoke words that must have made his hand tremble and Judah's ears tingle. He looks through the lens of the future and he prophesies what he sees. Now listen to it one more time. The scepter, the law, shall not depart from Judah nor the lawgiver from between his feet Until Shiloh come, something's coming. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Locked away in that verse is the oldest name of the Messiah who would come. His name was Shiloh. They didn't know his name, so they called him Shiloh. Shiloh is a powerful, powerful name. In fact, his name is very powerful. That's my first point. Shiloh is one of those names that is so powerful in Scripture. It has a multiplicity of meanings. You know what Shiloh means? It means messenger. You know what else it means? It means means peacemaker. You know what else it means? It means deliverer. So Jesus came as our Shiloh, as a messenger, as a peacekeeper, and as a deliverer. Anybody ever been touched by his peace? Anybody ever been delivered from sin by his mighty power? Anybody ever heard a word from him that made you go forward? Come on, clap your hands real big. Hey, Noel, Noel Shiloh is here. He's alive and he is in this world. There is only one who rightfully wears all these titles. Jesus is the messenger. He brings peace and he's our deliverer. Let me tell you a story, a beautiful story which dramatically illustrates the power of this name. Half a century ago, there was in our country a singing evangelist named Luther Bridgers. And his home was in a village of Wilmore, Kentucky. He was a back-in-the-woods kind of guy, and he was a simple man, but he loved Jesus, and he preached the gospel had great revivals. He was away from his home most of the time doing his evangelistic work and wherever he was needed. Returning from one of his trips, Luther Bridgers discovered that the family home had been destroyed by fire. And in that fire, his wife and four kids had died. All five had been destroyed while he was gone. No, no uh, iPhone in those days. In a Wilmore Cemetery stands the unusual gravestone, which marks the common burial place of those five most dear to him. But out of that tragic loss, and as a result of the faith that sustained him through it, Luther Bridgers wrote one of the best songs we ever sang in gospel singing. He wrote a song called, He Keeps Me Singing. Hell don't want you to stay singing. Hell wants you to lose your song. But He Keeps Me Singing. The stories that he set on the stone doorstep, the only thing that didn't burn, of what once had been his family's home. And there he wrote these words and music of this moving song. And it goes something like this. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with you. Peace be still in all life's ebbs and flow. Second verse said, all my life was wrecked by sin and strife and discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings and stirred the slumbering chords again. The third verse said, though sometimes he leads through waters deep, trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. And the chorus says, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. I want to tell you something. There's something about that name that when you quote it, when you say it, there's a power that just comes with it. There's nothing like the power of the name of Jesus. He said in Matthew 28 and 18, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And when you speak that name, get ready, you're going to be blessed by the presence of God. One of our gospel hymns sung to the tune of Precious Name begins with these lines, take the name of Jesus with you. Child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Come on, say it with me. Precious name. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Oh, how sweet. Hope, of Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Amen. Everybody say his name is powerful. Amen. Woo, Shiloh's here. Shiloh's here. The second thing I want to tell you is that his timing is perfect. He has perfect timing. Jacob said the scepter would not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. He was of David's lineage. and the first chapters of Matthew and Luke attest to his earthly lineage. Jacob said Shiloh would come before Judah lost his scepter, lost his rule. In the time of Caesar Augusta, the land of Palestine was conquered And made into a Roman province. Stay with me now. Shortly thereafter the Romans took away the final vestige of authority. From the Jewish Sanhedrin. But the scepter departed from Judah. But before it did. In a little town of Bethlehem. Shiloh was born. Jesus came. Because Jesus is always right on time. His timing is perfect. When you're on the brink you'll find him there. When you teeter on the edge of the abyss, you'll find him there. He's the Lord of the periphery. In your confusion, he is there. In your pain, he is there. In your fear, he is there. He is the Lord of the calamities. He always operates on a different timetable, but he's never too late, and he's always right on time. Can I share something with you? I, 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 I don't like to talk about us, But we had a miracle in our family this week. We had a miracle in our family this week that we've prayed for for four years and we have not brought it to the church. We didn't want to bother you with it, but I have a grandson, my oldest son of my youngest daughter, little Finley, has had a severe eating disorder since he was a year old and he would not eat. The only thing they they found that he liked was French fries from McDonald's. And folks, you can't live on French fries. Jesus said you can't live on bread alone. You can't live on French fries alone. Get you some meat with it, get a little protein. And he, that's all he would eat. And then, then they finally got uh, uh, what's those breakfast pop tarts. They got a pop tart down him, and he'd eat a little pop tart, just a little crumb of to a pop tart. Then he'd eat French fries at lunch and French fries at dinner, and then maybe an oreo cookie before he went to bed, and many times he would cry himself to sleep because he was so hungry. But he couldn't eat. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and he turned five years old last month. I'm sorry, I'm emotional. But I'm talking about the timing of God is always so perfect. He's always so perfect. He's powerful and he's perfect. And this week he came to school. He comes to our TNT Academy here and he came to school and he didn't eat his French fries that day. They cooked for him here his French fries. He didn't eat them. His daddy picked him up and Jaron was taking him home. He said, Daddy, I'm tired of French fries. He's talking now real good. He's a bright little kid. He's a bright kid. He may not be eating, but he's got a good brain. He said, I'm tired of French fries, Daddy. And so Jared went home and he put, up a, he put up pictures of food that was available in the Davis house. This is available cereal. This is available hot dogs. This is available hamburgers. This is available, you know, French fries. It's the last thing available, French fries. Because they wanted him to eat. And so he, he said, Daddy, I want some cereal. You got some Cheerios? Caitlin had been to the store because they said, this has got to be the week it happens. It's got to happen. She went to the store, loaded up, and she wrote my wife, and she was so so down on it all because she said, Mama, we've got to have a breakthrough. I'm pleading with God. We've got to, I can't see the road. I'm crying so hard. I've got to have a break from God. And when she gets home, the boy said, I think I want some Cheerios, Daddy. And they put a bowl of Cheerios out there, and he ate every one of them. Except those that were stuck together, he threw them away. He won't eat doubles. (laughs) The next day they took him to Chick-fil-A and he ate Chick-fil-A. Oh. (laughs) Woo! And then they finally tried, then they finally tried the golden arches. Took him to McDonald's and he ate the bread and not the meat. But bread is a break. He wasn't eating any bread. For four years we prayed, God let him eat bread. And he didn't eat any bread. But the next day they took him back. I know you're saying you're running out of days. No, I'm not. I got every day in my mind. They took him back. He said, I think I'd like to try the meat. He called it sausaw. I'd like to try the sausaw inside the buns. And they put, they cut it up for him and he ate half of that whole patty of, of a child's meal. And then yesterday, he just took the hamburger like this and just ate it. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Daddy. I'll eat the bread, the meat, the fry. The bread, the meat, the fry. The bread, the meat, the fry. Folks, we've had a miracle. Merry Christmas. You don't have to have a gift in your house when God comes down and gives you a miracle like that. No, (laughs) ha, ha. Mary and Martha said, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. He said, don't y'all understand I'm the resurrection and the life. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. He called him by name and Lazarus came out. Hear me. God operates on his own time. But when God does it, you're talking about rejoicing. You see, when you think you can do it, God will say, go ahead. But when it gets beyond you, God will say, okay, you ready for me? And God steps in and Cheerio starts abounding. And Chick-fil-A starts abounding. And McDonald's starts abounding. And all of a sudden, we've got a kid going into Christmas that's eating us out of house at home. I love Jesus. Come on, clap your hands real big. Rejoice. God's got a miracle for you. His timing is always perfect. In the fullness of time, he came. He's never late. Everybody say his name is powerful. Say his timing is perfect. Say his work is precious. He's a powerful, perfect, precious Savior. Jacob said he would gather the people. False shepherds scatter. True shepherds gather. Jesus is a true shepherd. He said in John 12, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to me. Then he said, this he said, signifying what death he should die. The cross, folks, where the babe lived to die, still gathers. The cross still has a magnetism that nothing else has. It still draws. It draws the wayward back to the father's house because there's something powerful about the old rugged cross. There's an old song that says, though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. And if you have not decided and chosen to follow Jesus Christ in your life, why don't the Christmas of 2019 be that time to make it happen in your life? Because his, He is a precious Savior to us. He's still a gathering Savior. savior as a hen gathers her chicks, a Savior will draw men unto Him. John Newton was... Randy, if you'll help me, John Newton was a slave trader, and a shipwreck caused him to cry out to God. One day, he thought he was dying in the middle of the sea. But from then on, after his salvation, he crisscrossed England and sharing his testimony and song for years. Of course, the song that he wrote that we all sing and nobody know, nobody does not know the words of this song. It's called "Amazing Grace." He wrote that. What a song! Well past retirement age, nearly blind, speaking in whispers. He would step to pulpits and describe God's incredible mercy and grace. On a particular Sunday, a young man stood behind him. He traveled with him there in case Newton needed help or prompting with something he was about to say. Newton said this phrase, Jesus is precious. And for a few moments later, he said it again Jesus is precious then he said it again Jesus is precious and the young man behind him tapped him on the shoulder and said Mr. Newton he said you've already said that three times and John Newton said yes and I'm going to say it a few more times Jesus Christ is precious can I tell you can I tell you the road here has not been easy and the road tomorrow may not be easy but I can lift my hand and say the Jesus I serve is powerful and His timing is perfect and His grace is precious and I'm here today by the precious grace of Almighty God and so are you An anonymous pen once wrote, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. He sent us a Savior. My wife's listening to me today. Hope I did all right, babe. And I know she's crying because we're in the middle of a miracle in our home. But anybody that embraces Jesus Christ, you're in the middle of a miracle in your home. Jesus is the miracle. Not what he does, who he is is the miracle. He's the miracle in our lives preacher was trying to finish preparing a sermon when his little daughter came to the study and said daddy can we play and he answered I'm awfully sorry baby I'm preparing for a sermon give me about an hour then we can play she said okay when you're finished daddy I'm going to give you a great big hug he said that'll be nice thank you baby girl so she went to the door stood there a moment then came running back to her father's desk threw her arms around him and hugged him tight he said I thought you said when I was finished you was going to give me a hug she said daddy I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to at Christmas heaven embraced us (laughs) he came He lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended, he's coming back. At Christmas, heaven embraced us. But if heaven embraced us at Christmas, think what we've got to look forward to one day when he embraces us on the other side. Do you mind one more time clapping for the Jesus of the season and celebrating with me? His name is powerful. His time is perfect. His work is precious. Stand all over the building.